Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors share their story, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, the PGA Tour Superstore, Taylor Made Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, Two Under, Ben Hogan Golf, Golf Pride, Srixon and their Z-Star Golf Ball, and the Sanderson Resort. Now here is your host, Chris Mascaro. Hey, good evening, folks, and thank you for joining me tonight here on Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and, and boy, am I excited about tonight's show. We're going to get to spend time tonight with Randy Pice, Jason Gore, and Tyler Bruton. Randy's the Senior Vice President of Operations for the PGA Tour Superstore. We got Black Friday and Cyber Monday, plus the holiday gift buying season is upon us now. So who better to help us find great gifts for the golfer in our lives and perhaps maybe a little something for ourselves as well than Randy. We're going to talk about the hot holiday gifts for this year. We'll talk about getting fit for that club in our bags that we tend to forget about when it comes to time to get fit, right? That's our putters. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the hot driver, winter apparel that we can buy and get that not going to restrict our swings too much. Plus, we'll get his thoughts on the President's Cup and a whole lot more when Randy joins me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a visit from former PGA Tour Pro and now Senior Director of Player Relations for the USGA, Jason Gore. Jason, folks, he's had an amazing career so far. Dale Pepperdine won a national championship back in 1997. His 2005 season was off the hook, folks. Won three straight tournaments on what's now the Corn Ferry Tour, including shooting a 59 in the second round of the Cox Classic, which he would go on to win. He won on the PGA Tour that same season. So he went on the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour, becoming only the second person to do that at the time, along with our good friend Paul Stankowski. And like I say, he's now Senior Director of Player Relations for the USGA. So a lot to get into with Jason. He'll join me about 25 minutes from now. Then we'll round out tonight's show with a visit from Ben Hogan Golf Vice President of Marketing, Tyler Bruton. You know, you look at the Ben Hogan Company, folks. What a great year they've had. We're going to talk about all their great stuff. We'll talk about their GS53 driver and fairway widths, which are fantastic. We'll talk about their putter line. And uh, boy, when you look at it, they got four models right now. And I think they're going to be adding to that. So we'll talk about that. We'll also look ahead to all the great new things that they've got on tap for 2020. A lot of stuff out there for them. So very excited to have Tyler as a part of the show. He'll join me later on in the hour. So there you have it, folks. More great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the T. And as always, Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. And you all know how much the Lawrence brothers, both Mitch and Matthew, mean to me and about their great golf shows. Please continue to tell your friends and support both of them. Mitch's show is called Talking Golf Getaways, and you can stream it online at GolfTripX.com. It's also available on Audioboom, Stitcher, and Player.fm as well. Mitch and his co-host, Darren Bunch, they take you around the U.S. and Canada, some of the great places you can go stay and play. They also let you know about some of the hidden gem courses you might not be aware of. So go online to GolfTripX.com and check out their show. Please also check out Matthew's show. It's called Backspin Golf. He's on hiatus right now, but his shows from this season are available as a podcast over on WLXG.com. That's ESPN Radio up in Lexington, Kentucky. So if you missed any of his shows throughout the year, you can go online and stream them as a podcast. Again, it's called Backspin Golf, and it's a really great listen. And folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonero about what they've got going on up there. 
It's a Pete Dye masterpiece, the Pete Dye course at French Lake Resort. Pete says its location on one of the highest points in Indiana makes it special. The long views, you can see many 20, 30 miles from many of the fairways and many of the tees and greens, and, and you can see it in 360 degrees. Donald Ross's hill course put French Lick on the golf map more than 100 years ago. It's where Walter Hagen won the 1924 PGA Championship and the place where today's Symmetra Tour ladies battle each year. It's the ambience around it that makes the golf course. Combine our many resort amenities with legendary golf and you have a getaway like no other. French Lick Resort is the home of the Senior LPGA Championship, won in 2018 by World Golf Hall of Famer Laura Davies. Play the course's champions play. Plan your trip now online at FrenchLick.com. Yeah, folks, go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place they have and to book your stay as well. And well, folks, TaylorMade Golf has done it again. The TaylorMade M5 and M6 drivers are a fantastic story. They both feature speed-injected twist face created through a revolutionary manufacturing process where every single head, and you hear me talk about this every week, yes, every single head is injected and calibrated to the threshold of the legal limit. So basically, every head is made to be tour spicy. Check them out online by going to TaylorMadeGolf.com. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me here and making his fifth appearance on the French Lake Resort guest line is Randy Peisch. Randy is the Senior Vice President of Operations for the PGA Tour Superstore. He earned his MBA in public relations and communications at Auburn. And over the course of his career, he spent time as a senior merchant for Galsmith and a vice president for Sports Authority. He joined the PGA Tour Superstore as a VP of merchandising back in November of 2011, started his current role as senior uh, VP of operations back in 2016. And I'm very honored he's back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Randy, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me. Thanks for the, the great introduction there. It's awesome. It's hard to believe it's been eight years since I've been here, but a lot of exciting times for us. And I tell you, Randy, you know, it's it's been a minute since we got to have you on the show, and I know you've got a lot of great things going on there at the PGA Tour Superstore. Catch us up on all the great things you guys have been doing this year. Yeah, it couldn't be more exciting exciting of a year for us. We we've, we've had the opportunity to go into some great new markets this year. Um, in Austin, Texas, in Denver, Colorado, we opened our second store. We opened two stores in Boston this year, and we could have we put a couple more stores in the state of Florida in Sarasota and Plantation. So it's been a really fun year of of growth and uh, and just an exciting time for golf. And I tell you, Randy, you know we talk about this every time you come on the show. But one of the great things about the PGA Tour Superstore is, at a time when most retailers are shutting down their brick and mortar stores and going to more online, and you guys have a great online presence, but you continue to open up more and more stores. And, and every time you do, there's a lot of excitement in the community about it. What are uh, what are some of the locations, if you can talk about it, that you've got planned for 2020? Yes, thanks for asking. We actually have two stores that uh, that we've already signed leases on, uh, one in East Hanover, New Jersey, which is going to open in February. Um, and then we op- we uh, signed a lease in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, right off of PGA Boulevard. So a great name of uh, of the wow. road that our store is on. But uh, we've been 
looking at the Palm Beach area for quite a while. It's uh, it's a really great market down there, and we're actively seeking uh, uh, stores number three, three and four for next year. So we'll we'll keep going. We don't know how many we're going to open next year, but we uh, we definitely uh, are keep looking for great real estate where people are playing golf. And like you said, it helps raise the tide of the whole market when we come in there. We seem to lift rounds play and we seem to uh to really bring some energy into a marketplace so it's it's fun to see when during a grand opening hundreds of people lined up outside of our store that just couldn't wait for us to get to town and it's really a testament to what our whole team has been able to put together um which is to create that excitement and like you said a lot of people are shopping online and our, our online business has been great as well but to come in and experience a custom fitting and get the personalized experience that, that we give customers is what we're all about. And I think it's what the customers want to see. And, and it's why they, why they come in and not just wait in line, but once they get in to hear the, our customers just saying, wow, what an incredible place this is. And then to be able to make their golf game better is what we're all about. So there's a couple of things that you mentioned there, Randy, that I want to get into. Let's talk about, first of all, hundreds of people waiting outside, which is true. Every time you guys open up a new location, people are waiting to get in. And then as we approach, right, we got Black Friday this week, Cyber Monday, only a few days away. You got typically a lot of people that are out camping out out front, waiting to get in for Black Friday because of all the great deals that you guys have. Talk about what you guys have coming up on Friday and Monday. Yeah, we have some awesome things going the whole weekend and throughout the holiday. Uh, but specifically, we, we, we've got one of the best things we have going right now is the free personalization on golf balls. And I start with golf balls because it's really the number one gift item that we sell. Um, it tends to be a relatively easy purchase, even though we have about 75 different styles of golf balls in our store. But we can certainly help uh, with the, with the right golf ball, uh, for the, the, the gift that you're going to buy this, uh, this Christmas and this holiday for, someone on your list. We can help with good golfers, amateur golfers. We got lots of colors. Uh, we've got all kinds of choices, but the personalization, if you do that before December 10th, Callaway Titleist and Wilson are all offering free personalization. So it's a great time to put a message on there that, you know, world's best dad or number one golfer and uh, happy holidays. There's a lot of different slogans that people are putting on their golf ball. Um, just to make it a little bit, a uh, little bit more personal for dad or uncle or husband or just any golfer in your life or your, or your boss or a significant other. So it's really lots of fun to, uh, to, to do that during the holiday time frame. And we have that going, as I said, between now and December 10th, it's free. And, uh, if you order before December 10th, it'll be here for the holidays. So that's definitely something great. We have a lot of great deals on apparel. So. That Tiger Woods moth that he wore to win the Masters, we have lots of those, and they're all on sale um, throughout Black Friday weekend. So that's probably going to be one of the top gifts that, that we have. Um, great deal to get uh, dad or, again, brother or uncle uh, a Tiger Woods moth. We have lots of ladies' apparel on sale. We're going to be running an extra 25% off all of our clearance apparel. So that's kids, ladies, men, everything. Really, really good deal to have an extra 25% off something that's already marked down. So great deals both online as well as in our stores. And to that point, Randy, because apparel is something for, for those of us that, that are uh, 
you know, challenging and, and waiting for the uh, the frost delay to get lifted. Right. We're still out there. We're still wanting to play regardless of what the temperature is in the morning. But we don't want to be restricted in our swings. We don't want to get too much on us, you know, too bulky, that sort of thing. Are there some some brands of apparel, some things that you've seen that can keep us warm, but also keep our swings uh, easy to, uh, to, you know, still fluid, if you will? Yes, I'm glad you asked. You've seen a, a, a player like Jordan Spieth uh, that, that loves to wear Under Armour. And uh, Under Armour has been a, a really great brand for that. Um, it's both lightweight and breathable, but it also keeps you warm. Um, and there's the Storm Cotton. We have those at 25% off throughout the holiday. So um, that's their most popular quarter zip. You've probably seen Jordan wear just about every color of the rainbow of that one. Um, and that, that's a great one. Um, and as I mentioned, uh, the, the, the Nike, they also, uh, we also have Nike quarter zips on sale as well. So really between Nike and Under Armour, two of the best brands in the store. Um, we have lots of, uh, deals on both of those as well as a ton of shoes on sale. Um, I mentioned Under Armour that we have Under Armour shoes on sale as well as Puma. Some of the most comfortable shoes you can wear are those Puma grip shoes. So they kind of look like running shoes but they're super, super comfortable um, to wear on and even off the course. So we've got really great deals on, on footwear and apparel. And we also have a really fun collection from Travis Matthew. And uh, there's some really cool festive holiday collection. Um, so we have, we've got kind of, you know, the ugly Christmas sweater, if you will, is sort of back. We've got a lot of those. Plus some really fun T-shirts with some uh, – some Christmas trees and Santa wearing sunglasses and all kinds of fun prints and patterns uh, that are on our website and in our store. And Travis Matthew just does such a great job at holiday having a little bit of fun. So it's something you can not necessarily wear to the golf course, but we have a lot of golf shirts you can wear as well um, with Travis. So lots of really fun things um, to come and, and, and find it unique gifts that you won't find in your local department store or mall. And Randy, are there other sort of new technology things that we might be looking for for the for the golf enthusiast in our lives, or maybe some new technologies that you've become aware of that might be coming out uh, around the PGA Merchandise Show or shortly into 2020 that we need to keep our eyes open for? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. We we really we we've done a great uh, job with uh, selling rangefinders and technology, and um, we've got deals across the board on the Bushnell. Um, and there's some really cool technology with that. So the Bushnell Rangefinder, we have one that, that actually, when you hit the pin, it vibrates in your hand. It's, so it's called Jolt Technology. But it's, uh, you'll feel it in your hand just like a cell phone would vibrate as soon as you hit the pin so you know you're locked in on the target. It also gives you the option to switch in and out of slope. <laughs> Excuse me. So if you're playing in a tournament and you can't use slope, you can switch that option off. Or if you're playing a friendly round, um, on a Sunday afternoon, you can switch the slope on and get your exact yardage. So that's really good. And we, we're also, we have, to, we have a Garmin watch that's $100 off with a color screen, Bluetooth technology, and actually 30,000 courses worldwide preloaded onto that watch. So it's amazing technology wow. that we have and just a lot of fun to, uh, to have something new and a new gadget out on the course. Randy, a minute ago, you were talking about custom fitting, and, and we talk a lot about how we should all get fit for our clubs that, you know, most of us aren't good enough not to get fit for our clubs. But too frequently, we don't think about our putters and getting fit for our putters. 
Talk about the putter fittings you do, because you guys have a great system for doing that. And I, I know in my local PGA Tour Superstore up in Kennesaw, they've got a great putting practice area, relatively new, I think, to this year. Talk about how you guys can help us find the right putter. Yeah, and thanks for asking about putters. It's really, this is an awesome time of year to buy a putter because sometimes a gift buyer doesn't feel comfortable going in and purchasing a set of irons for someone. And we would certainly recommend uh, custom fitting for anyone, but a putter is just, it's such a great way to, um, to, to buy for the, for the holidays. And I'm actually on the golf channel next week talking about how to buy a putter. So this is a really timely, um, segment, but certainly, uh, there are a lot of things that some people don't think about when they're purchasing a putter. So what I would recommend for a gift purchase is buy that putter and then the person actually comes in and we, we personalize that putter to them and get them custom fitted. So one of the things people don't necessarily think about is the length of the putter. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on the spot, Chris, and I'm gonna ask you a little bit of a trivia question about putters. So most putters right. are 35 inch, are 35 inches long. Okay. Do you know originally why putters became 35 inches long? Wow. No, I don't. So the, and, and I'll, I'll even preface this by saying that the average length on tour of a putter is between 32 and 33 inches. So it's significantly shorter than the 35 inch putter that most people buy. And the reason that it, it started out as 35 inches is because that was the length of the shaft that they put in a putter so that it would rest uh, properly on a bag. So that's the only reason that 35 inch putters really became popular was because, okay, it sticks in the bag and it doesn't go too far down and just hang on the side of the bag, <laughs> right? Well, now we have wow. wells that are a lot shorter than that and we can have putters of any length that fit in there and super wide grips and all kinds of other things that would make it hard. But it's just funny that so most people grew up playing a 35 inch putter which for most people is a little bit too long because generally 35 inch putters are for people about six foot two to six foot five, depending on how far they lean over and, and all of that. So if, if you're that tall, it probably fits you. But if, if you're like most people and you're between five, five and six foot one, you're going to need a putter that's a little bit shorter. So the length is the first thing. Uh, we also work on uh, alignment and most people actually line up a putter wrong. So if you actually had some sophisticated technology like we have, and you put a little laser on the face of your putter and you lined it up to a hole, most people would, would be missing the, the hole just on their initial alignment. So we help you get aligned correctly because in a lot of cases, if you're aiming three inches right of the hole, you have to actually pull or hook your putt in order to get it in the hole, right? So it, we're, we, we work on alignment, and then there's a lot of different um, uh, different offsets factors with a putter, so shafts that go straight into the uh, the head of the putter, shafts that are a little bit offset with a, a double bend or, or maybe an answer style or what's called a plumber's neck, so all kinds of different necks. And then depending on how you stroke your putter, are you straight back and straight through or is there a little bit of an arc to your putter? So we work on that as well. Um, we Certain people like different head shapes, uh, traditional blade, uh, there's a mallet style. And then definitely face material, right? So we can have milled faces, grooved faces, face inserts, all designed for different types of feel, sound, and specifically roll. So we want we want the ball rolling faster than it's uh, faster as fast as possible, so it's not skidding and then rolling. We want the roll to start quickly. So we measure all of those things, and it sounds really complicated, 
But our guys on the floor make it really super easy to say, hey, what have you been putting with? Let's put you in some different things. We measure you. We test you. We have lots of different ways to test uh, which putter is right for you based on your stroke, based on how you're swinging it, personal preference. We'll put you through the whole process. As I said, it sounds really complicated, but in 20 or 30 minutes, we should have you making more and more more putts than you ever have before. And Randy, do I need a, a, a reservation or a time or something in order to get that done, or, or can I walk right in and, and just get set up and start going with, uh, with getting fit for a putter? The best part, no reservation required. Uh, we'll fit anybody for a putter at any time. There's a there's a really sophisticated um, thing called a, a fitting van experience where uh, we have a, a paid reservation fitting where you can go behind uh, basically a wall and, and get a private one-on-one fitting that has a little fee attached to it. But most customers that come in walk right up to the putting green, and anyone with one of our, our shirts and a name tag on will be qualified to uh, to help you go through the process that I that I just described and it's really it's really great and the best thing that is the best part of my job Chris is reading the letters after someone goes through an experience like that and says I never knew how much better of a golfer that I could be but I have this new putter I got properly fitted for it I'm making more putts than I ever have and for the very few that don't we actually have a guarantee that says hey if we fit you for the wrong putter Bring it back in within 90 days. We'll take care of it. We'll swap you into something that does work. The last thing we want to do is sell people something that's not going to help their golf game. And we're not in the business to make your golf game neutral or worse. We want to make it better. And we've said this before on your show. And I've come on and said we are not in the transaction business. We're in the relationship business. So if you're not happy with the purchase you make, we're we're in the business of making you happy. So that's the best part about our jobs is that we get people come in over and over again and say, you helped me so much with a putter. I want to dial in my wedges now or my irons or my, my driver or my fairway wood. So it's, it's really cool. And, and, and even footwear, we, uh, of all, of all things, we, um, we take fitting footwear very seriously. We don't just say, Hey, there's the size tens over there. Go grab one and go up to the register. We want to know if you pronate. We want to put you on a Brannock device and measure how wide your foot is and how long your foot is and what type of what type of wear pattern you have when you when you're wearing the, the shoes that you have. And maybe we can get you a little bit more comfort on the golf course as well. So we take fitting seriously across all areas of the store. But uh, a putter fitting is is super fun and like I said, it'd be a great thing um, for the golfer in your life to say, here's your new putter. If you don't like it or you need a little tweak, go back into the store and uh, and we can we can make it right for you. So fun gift to get, but also it'll make your golf game a lot better. So really really cool uh, thing that as you mentioned, a lot of people actually forget about it. We have a lot of people that want to get fit for drivers or irons, but they forget about the putter fitting. They'll go roll a few putts and they may or may not go in the hole and then they'll take it out to the course and think it's the right one for them. So that's why we really emphasize that is hey let's Let's let science and technology work for you. That's all fantastic stuff, Rain. I couldn't agree more. It is funny to me about how we uh, we spend so much time on our woods and our irons, but uh, not enough time on our wedges and our putters getting fit and making sure they're the right one for our swing pattern. And 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 uh, like I say, are you like you point out our putting stroke, Randy? A couple yeah, more before I let you, you go. Oh, sorry. 
Yeah, yeah go, no, ahead. go ahead. I was going to mention one, one other thing that you said about our big putting greens. I think that if you went into a golf store in the 1980s, you'd find maybe a five or six or ten foot little strip to put on, and that was all most golf stores had. And I, I think that it's a credit to all the people that came before me to put these giant putting greens out there so that people don't feel like, well, hey, that's not really realistic. Let's let's put the grass in that simulates most like what you what you get out on a golf course. And we we go to great lengths to put the turf in that actually simulates what it's like on a golf course and, and not make it feel like uh, like carpet or you're just putting in your office or in your bedroom. So thanks for saying that about our Kennesaw store as well. Yeah, it's a fantastic place. I love it. Randy, just a couple more before I let you go. And I want to get your thoughts on the President's Cup. It's a, it's an event the U.S. has dominated over the years, but the international team looks pretty strong this year. What are your thoughts on that event? Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a really, it's going to be a great event. I do think this year it's going to be closer than it ever has before. And maybe the international team is a little bit more motivated um to to beat the US cuz these guys have a lot of pride and they uh they they certainly don't want to get uh get beat down and a guy like Jason Day on his home soil in Australia there is uh he he's not going to go away quietly um on the other hand you've got a Tiger Woods led United States team as a playing captain it's going to be just a made for TV event i can't imagine something more exciting than having the current masters champion and, and Tiger Woods, who, as you know, just won the Zozo event over in Japan, playing as well as he's playing, uh, going into the President's Cup and uh, leading the team of Gary Woodland and now Ricky Fowler on the team, plus all the guys that uh, that, that qualified for it. We, U.S. has a really strong team, so I am super motivated to watch it, and I know it's going to be on at some strange hours here in the United States, but uh, it'll make for great uh, late night TV if you're uh, if you're up for that. <laughs> That's all right. So Randy, I got to get your thoughts on your Auburn Tigers. You got uh, Alabama coming up this week. Your thoughts? Can can Auburn go and uh, really ruin any opportunity Alabama has of making the playoffs for what fourth, fifth straight year? Oh, you can't imagine the chatter we've had around our office this week. As you probably know, a gentleman by the name of Ralph Stokes, who used to play for Bear Bryant, works in our office. So we've had a lot of fun banter this week. But uh, I think Auburn's defense is really, really solid. Um, I think they're going to keep Auburn in the game like they did against the Georgia Bulldogs and uh, and the LSU Tigers, uh, two of the best teams in the country uh, that Auburn was in the game to the very end. I think it'll be close. Um, we'll see what kind of offense uh, Gus Malzahn and, and Bo Nix have up their sleeves, but hopefully Auburn can come out on top from my standpoint, but I know there's a, a whole lot of people rooting for Alabama, but I would imagine in the state of Georgia, uh, a lot of Georgia Bulldogs will be rooting for Auburn to knock Alabama out of the playoff race as well. No doubt. I know I, I know a lot of my in-laws are, on that, are in that camp, so I'm sure there'll be a lot of Bulldogs pulling for Auburn. Randy, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you guys are doing, both on your website and on social media as well. Yes, thanks so much. Yes, uh, PGATourSuperstore.com is the website. And uh, at PGATourSuperstore, we're on all of the social media channels, whether you like Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can find us on all of those, as well as 
PGATour.com. So when you hit shop on PGATour.com, when you're checking out that leaderboard in the President's Cup, you can click on shop and see what's new in there. That's, uh, that goes directly to us as well. So we love being part of the PGA Tour and on all of those channels. And, and certainly your listeners will find plenty of content uh, for the holidays. And as I said, really unique and gift-giving items for the golfer in their life, whether that golfer is a man, woman, or child. So we, we have something for everybody in our store. So it's going to be a really fun holiday season. Uh, my favorite time of year is uh, is the Christmas time frame, and uh, we're especially excited in 2019 with everything we have to offer. Well, Randy, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. It's always a blast when you join. So I thank you very much. I love your enthusiasm, and uh, I love what you guys are doing. And like I say, the, the Kennesaw store is, is sort of my home. It's it's uh, uh, you know my go-to store for anything I need for golf and uh, like I say, it's it's a fantastic place, and the, and the putting greens are great, and the guys there have been fantastic because that's where I go to get fit. So I can't thank them and you enough, and I hope you'll come back and join me again real soon. Well, thanks so much, and I hope I didn't take too much of Jason Gore's time. I know he was busy out at Pebble Beach this weekend playing golf, so hopefully he, he did well out there and uh, his golf game is in shape. I'm sure you're going to talk about that coming up. Absolutely. Take care, Randy. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Okay, likewise. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Chris, for having me. You bet. Take care, Randy. That's a great Randy Peich, PGA Tour Superstore. You guys hear me talk about it every single week here on the show. They're, not only are they a great sponsor, but the, the best thing about everything to do with the PGA Tour Superstore is something that Randy talked about here, and we've talked about it several times. He's been on the show. It's a relationship business that they're in. You go in there. The people are friendly. They're there to help you. They want you to do well. They want you to like the equipment. And for whatever reason, anything goes wrong, you just go back and they fix it. That's the best part. I mean, their equipment, they have everything, right? They got all the major brands um, in there. So you and millions of things of golf balls and that sort of thing. You get fit for your golf ball there. You, uh, what Randy just said, I can go in there and get fit for a putter. I can go in there and get fit for my irons and woods and my wedges. I can get fit for my shoes. So it's not like you said, you just don't go pick one off off the rack and go, yeah, they're the tens. Yeah, I'm a 10. Okay, great. Go buy it. Right. They, they want you to be successful there. They want you to find the right golf ball for your swing. So it's all fantastic stuff. And like I say, an, an organization that's in it for the relationship, that's where you want to go. That's where you want to be. And they're fantastic people. Randy's great. Everybody else is, that's there is great as well. So. Look forward to catching up with uh, Randy again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Jason Gore, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of friends. First, our friends at, at Tricks on Golf. Folks, to play a ball with ultimate spin and stopping power, you need a physics-defying cover. With molecular bonds that stretch but don't break, to play a ball that goes far and feels soft, you need a fast layer core with incredible feel and maximum distance. And they're only in the new Z-Star and Z-Star X3 golf balls, and they're only from Trixon. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. They've got their new holiday collection out right now, so their new sweaters, vests, and outerwear, all fantastic. They are where luxury textures and rich, deep colors come together with elegant ease. You're going to see Steve Stricker, Miguel Angel Jimenez, and Ernie Els wearing it out on the Champions Tour. Go online to bobbyjones.com and enter the coupon code on the T to save 20% at checkout. All right, now joining me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Jason Gore. Let me give you some background on Jason. He's from Van Nuys, California. 
started playing his college golf at the University of Arizona, later transferred to Pepperdine, where he helped them win the national championship in 1997. And 97 was a big year for him, folks. Along with winning the national championship, he won the USC Southwestern Invitational and tied for third at the NCAA championship. He made all West Coast Conference first team in each of his two seasons at Pepperdine, and he went on to be part of their victor- part of the victorious 1997 Walker Cup team. Jason remains in Pepperdine's top 20 for all-time scoring average at 73.8. He's third in single season, top 10 finishes with eight. He's first all-time in top 20 finishes with 13, and he was inducted into their Athletics Hall of Fame back in 2008. He joined what's now the Corn Ferry Tour back in 2000. He won the New Mexico Classic that season, breaking the tournament record by a stroke. Earned his tour card in 2001. 2005, what a tremendous season he had. He won three straight starts on the Corn Ferry Tour, including back-to-back weeks at the National Mining Association Pete Dye Classic and the Scholarship America Showdown. Then a couple of weeks later at the Cox Classic, and not only did he win that event, he carded a second round 59, becoming one of only 17 players to shoot 59 or better. He matched our good friend Paul Stankowski's feat by winning on the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour in the same season because he won the 84 Lumber Classic that year and always won seven times on the Corn Ferry Tour. And on top of that win on the PGA Tour, he has 16 top 10 finishes and 40 top 25s. He's now the Senior Director of Player Relations at the USGA, and I'm thrilled to have him with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Jason, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. How are you, how you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you? I am good. I, I'm doing what I do best. I'm putting together a laptop table. Ah, good for you. <laughs> I just heard your previous guest say that my how my game was in shape because I played Pebble. My game is not in shape, yeah. so I just want to get that out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good to know. Yeah, it was, it was a rough week, but... I want to start our time tonight. I want to I want to go all the way back to '97 and your time at Pepperdine because you had a heck of a college career. You had a handful of individual wins, plus winning the the team national championship. What do you What are your memories? What What are some of the great things you remember about your time at Pepperdine? Oh gosh, I mean, one of the greatest things I remember, and I mean, this is kind of a, a semi long story, but I'll give you the short. Um, that week, our coach, John Guyberger, had chicken pox. And so we had a, uh, a guy who just finished uh, playing for Pepperdine the year before, Kevin Marsh, who ended up winning the 2005 U.S. Mid-Amateur. So he was there. He was playing the Hooters Tour at the time, and he just happened to be in town. And he was our coach for the week. And I actually had a one-shot lead individually on the last hole, I drove in the fairway bunker. I hit a good shot out. I think I had seven iron in for my third shot. And I, he walked up to me and I said, how many shot lead do we have? And he goes, you have a seven shot lead. And I looked at him and I said, I don't think I'm going to make an 11. That was the first <laughs> thing that I, that I said to him. And I tried. I made a seven. I hooked the seven iron, plugged it in the face of a bunker, in the downslope of a bunker. Blasted across the green, chipped back, and missed like a six-footer. And I remember my teammates looking at me like, oh, no, like, how do we react to this? And I looked at them. I said, did we win? And they they all shook their head, yes. And I'm like, well, come on out. Let's celebrate. You know, it's like that's that's the kind of thing that, that team golf brings you and what it brought me. I mean, I'm going to use a line from Goodwill Hunting. Um, 
we would have taken a baseball bat to anybody else's heads for each other. And that's the kind of team chemistry we had, and that's the only reason why we won. I mean, there were teams that had better talent on it, but, you know, we all loved each other. We had done anything for each other, and and to win that tournament for each other, that was the coolest thing I, you know, ever been involved with. And and Jason, to, to that end, I mean, it it sounds like you're pretty relaxed and and nonchalant about it, but uh, you know, you're you're having a going into the final round. I mean, you have an opportunity to win a national championship. That's a big deal. Did, was were you guys at all nervous? Where was there any you know bit of being uptight or any of that sort of thing, or was it just you know, hey, it's we got a job to do. We're going to go out here and we're going to win this thing, and it's going to be great. I think there was a few of us that were that were pretty relaxed about it. You know, we had. Myself, we had Mike Walden, who was a great player, and Andy Walker, who was who was also a very accomplished player. And you know, we had Mark Matson, who was a, who was a solid player, and Paul Meyer, who was the same way. So we had we we didn't really get nervous until Mark Matson, who was playing number four for us, we were standing there on the putting green, kind of waiting for everybody to tee off, and and all we heard was next on the tee, whack, Mark Matson. Mark hit it before his name was announced. And at that point, we kind of looked at each other like, oh, my gosh, like this is happening. He he was so nervous. He put the tee in the ground, and when they said next on the tee, he hit it. And the guy basically said his name in his backswing, and he, and he piped it down the middle. So it was at that point, it was like, okay, well, he's nervous. And then it kind of, you know, kind of <laughs> osmosis just kind of made every every one of us nervous. But it was, it was a windy day in Chicago. It was at Conway Farms, and it was kind of – you know, it played to our favor because it was, you know, if you had perfect weather, it was kind of like, well, it's up for grabs. But you, we just kind of hung in there and then played smart and hit a lot of great shots. And Mike Walden played great. I played great. Andy played great. And we just, it just all came, kind of came together. And we did, we played, we were playing with Oklahoma State, who was number one by far that year, I believe. And uh we just kind of gave them the, kind of their own medicine, which was, you know, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> and Jason, you were at Pepperdine during some of the time that Tiger was at Stanford. What was it like competing against him in college? Who? <laughs> I'm kidding. Indeed. I'm kidding. Um, he, uh, well, at that point when we won, I, and this is a kind of a funny story my caddy said, you know, you beat Tiger Woods to win the California Amateur. I'm like, no, Tiger Woods won the Masters that year when I won Calam. So, I mean, we kind of, I only overlapped with him for one year, I believe, because he, I went to Arizona for a couple of years and then I took a year off, basically a red shirt. And 96 was my first year at Pepperdine, or 95, 96. So that was the only year, but, um, I think, but he was a stud. I mean, I grew up playing with him in Southern California junior golf. So, the only thing that was ever, the only way he was ever not going to succeed is if he burned out and he didn't burn out. Like there was a bunch of great players that came out of Southern California that just burned out, just had enough. They, they kind of pushed so much and kind of didn't love the game anymore. But that was really the only thing that was ever going to hold him back. And it, that never happened and still hasn't happened. So um you just knew it. He was just that much better. And it wasn't the fact that even when he was a pro, it wasn't the fact that he hit these shots that nobody else can hit. We all could, you know, kind of do it. Um, but he just did it so often and on call. And, you know, he just made so many less mistakes, and his good shots were just that much better. 
And Jason, you had an opportunity to play on the 97 Walker Cup, and you guys dominated that event that year, winning 18-6, to and I believe you were 2-0-1 in the event. And there were a lot of really good players on both sides. I mean, you had you and Brad Elder, among so many others, on the U.S. team, Justin Rose, Craig Watson on the Great Britain-Ireland team. What do you remember about being a part of that Walker Cup event? I was um, I was kind of a last pick. I mean, back then, it's a lot different now. Um, I was a West Coast guy, and it really was kind of East Coast biased. So, I mean, in order for me to get picked on the Walker Cup team, I had to kind of do something really crazy. And, and um, you know, fortunately, I did. I had a great summer. And uh, I wasn't invited to any practice squads or anything like that. So I was kind of off the radar. And just to be recognized as that and kind of, you know, take a chance on me was, you know, I mean, any time you get a chance to represent your country, it's incredible. But I mean, we had such a great team. And you know, we just had a bunch of guys that were kind of the same way as, as our national championship team. We just loved each other. It was good. Like, chemistry was good. Nobody was, you know, nobody was above anybody else. And and we just, we all got along. It was, it was great. And we were all rooting for each other. Nobody, it was, obviously we were on the same team, so we were all rooting for each other. But there was no... There was no egos. There was just just a bunch of guys who loved to play golf, and we knew we were good, and we just really wanted to beat them. And we wanted to – at one point, it got to the point where, you know, internally, we we kind of wanted to embarrass them. That's, that's the kind of attitude that we had to take was, let's go embarrass them. And not to, you know, not to mess international relations, but, you know, <laughs> you have to – you have to have that. They wanted to embarrass us, and that's just that's just competition. And if they didn't want to do that, then something was wrong with them. But we just we had a great team, and you know we were on such a great golf course at Quaker Ridge, and it was such an American golf course. You know, you had to hit it high, you had to hit it far, and you had to control your golf ball. We had rough. The greens were ultra fast, and so it was stuff that we were used to, and probably stuff that you know their team wasn't really used to. So. We had a big advantage there, and, and um, you know, it, it was just an incredible week. When you're a part of a Walker Cup team and, you know, you compare that to, you know, being a part of the team you were at Pepperdine in a, in a college atmosphere, is the playing pressure different? When, you, when you've when you got the sort of the red, white, and blue on, do you, do you feel it? Do you feel a different sort of pressure? Yeah, you do. Uh, you do. Anytime, like I said, anytime you have a chance to represent your country, it's, it's, it's an honor. And, um, you know, I think team golf, you know, you got five other people, four other people on your team in college, but there you had many, many more. So, you know, you had nine under nine other people. So, um, you know, everybody, you, you, you never want to let your teammates down. And I think that's the hardest part. I mean, even in playing in a two man thing that, you know, I played in a couple of weeks ago with Kevin Marsh, and, and you know, if you screw up, you're, you're playing by yourself. You're like, oh, whatever, I'll get it on the next hole. But you're just, just like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like, I did not mean to four putt from 25 feet while you're out of the hole. You know, but you know, it just adds pressure because you, you know you don't want you don't want to let anybody else down. So yeah, it's it's especially when you're wearing red, white, and blue. It's uh, not only do you have the other people on your team, but you got a whole country that you feel like you kind of let down. So it's a, you, you give it your all just for that. Jason, I want to talk a little bit about your 2005 season because what an amazing year that was for you. And 
I want to start by your 59 you shot at the Cox Classic. You did it in the second round. I was sort of going back and reviewing it. It, it looks like you, 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 you teed off on the back nine and ended up shooting 31 on what would be your first nine there. And then you turned around and on the front nine, and you actually bogeyed the first hole and then shoot 28 on the front. So what an amazing round. What What's that like? What's it like to shoot 59? Oh, that was just the the whole thing just was a blur. But I mean, if you look at it that way, I played my last of uh, my last eight holes in twenty four shots, twenty three shots. Is that right? The math worked that way. Yeah, I played my yeah. last eight holes in twenty three shots. Um, it uh, you just had it going. I mean, at that point, I was driving it longer than everybody and straighter than everybody, and you could pick apart a golf course when that's happening. So. Um, you know, I reached an unreachable par five and two, and I made a 50-footer, and I drove a couple greens that were like 360. It just, you know, it was just one of those things. It's just, I'm going to swing as hard as I can because I know where it's going. It's just, it's, a, it was just a crazy, it was just a fun deal. And, um, you know, everybody asks. So I'll tell you a little story. So I'm playing with uh, Ben Bates and Vance Veazey, who are two of the greatest guys you've ever met. Just Good, good, good people, right? So I walk up, I birdie eight, which is a par three. I hit it like three or four feet. Make birdie there, and you get to nine, and it's a drivable par four. It's 320 or something like that, 320. And um, there's a wait. And they're both standing there talking to each other. And I kind of walk over to them, and both of them just walked away. Like I was throwing a no-hitter, right? I don't want to be the guy. Yeah, like you're pitching a no-hitter. Yeah, so... And I walked over to my caddy and I go, I'm throwing a no hitter, aren't I? And he just, he just grabbed the towel and turned around and walked away. And I think he like put water on the towel. He's like, and nobody's talking to this guy. So I just kind of went off on the left back left side of the tee box and just stood there by myself. Cause I'm like, all right, I guess nobody wants to talk to me. You know, so <laughs> after the end, we waited 15, 20 minutes and I hit this high cut driver right in the middle of the green, a great drive. And I literally, smashed this ball into the back of the cup. Like, it bounced. That's how hard it was going. And, you know, everybody after the round goes, oh, did you know that was for 59? And I go, no, I had no idea. And I'm like, if you buy that, you're, you know, I got some oceanfront property in Arizona. <laughs> you can buy. Of course I knew it was for 59. You know, it's like, of course you did, you know, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was just one of those things that you couldn't, you couldn't screw up. And it's great when that happens. You know, just no matter what I did, I, I either got a lucky break or I perceived it as a lucky break, which is probably just as important. Um, and things were just going well. I mean, the, the worst part was, was I had pink eye that week. So I shot even part of the first round. My coach was there who was a buddy of mine from high school. And I literally, I was hitting it so bad on the range that morning. I told him to get away from me. I'm going to miss this cut and I'll go win next week. That's how bad I was hitting. I was chunking it. My my eye hurt. That's why I was wearing the sunglasses. I don't know how I got it. I just told him, like, dude, just just go away. Let me just miss this cotton. We'll just go get him next week. And I shoot 59. And I've had plenty of days where I striped <laughs> on the range and been like, all right, this is going to be a great day and shoot, you know, 78. So, I mean, it's just the golf's funny. And I think he, I was hitting it so bad, I just didn't care. And just like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to. Bam, bam, bam. I started off yeah. good. I shot 31 on the front and then 
you make a bogey and you're just like, I was at that point, I was just trying to get in back into the event. Cause at that point I thought it didn't matter how I played, whoever was going to win that week had to go through me. And that's just a level of confidence that, you know, that's, that's probably where Tiger lives. Um, and I had it for seven seconds, but nonetheless, it's, uh, you just try to get back in the event and just realize that it's 72 holes and you just want to get to where you have a chance to play 72 holes. And next thing you know, I'm signing a scorecard for 59. So Jason, you mentioned you had it for seven seconds. You had it for a heck of a lot longer than seven seconds. But like I mentioned in your intro, you had a run in 05. I mean, you win three straight events on what's now the Corn Ferry Tour. You win the 84 Lumber Classic on the PGA Tour. That's a lot more than seven seconds. That's a heck of an 05. How how are you able to yeah. sustain that that level of play that much for, you know, that long? Well, I mean, that's just confidence. It's just everything everything you you do and you see is is going right and and you just you don't ever see the bad breaks. I'm sure I got plenty of bad breaks and plenty of bad bounces and all that good stuff and hit plenty of bad shots. You just don't recognize them. You know, you just, you just kind of move forward. You're like, Oh, you know, Oh, I drove in the trees. This is going to be a great opportunity to show them what I got, you know, and what I got chipping it out in the fairway and wedging it close and making the putt for par and doing it kind of old fashioned way. Then that's, that's what I got. And you just, you know, you're thinking the right way. You're doing the right things. You're obviously making a bunch of putts. And you know, that was just, it was every opportunity was a, a way to kind of prove how good you were. And, you know, at that point it was, you know, I won three times on, on National Corn Ferry Tour now, but, um, you know, and you had, you had a chip on your shoulder to show them how good, how good I was on tour. They just didn't want to be like the other guys who flashed the flash in the pan or whatever. And you're just, you're just like, well, I mean, the funny thing was, is I missed the cut the week before in Canada. And, um, you know, you just got to, I got to Nemecolin a little, you know, early, unfortunately, and, um, had a little time to just kind of practice and decompress and just kind of, that place is so awesome. You can go and you can have so much fun doing other things than golf. So, um, got a chance to kind of relax, clear the mind a little bit. It was a hectic summer after the U.S. Open and the three wins. And it was just a, had a couple good days, a couple good practice days, a couple days of just kind of letting your hair down a little bit, just taking a deep breath and, and was ready to go by Thursday. And things were, things were good after that. Jason, you mentioned the U.S. Open. I, I read a story that on your way to the 2005 U.S. Open was played at Pinehurst, your car got broken into, and there was actually donations made at, at Pinehurst to help you replace some of the stolen items. What happened? <laughs> this is a long story. Um, hope you're all sitting down. But So we played in <laughs> Chicago. Um, I left my car in Knoxville with my buddy James O., and I flew to Chicago. He didn't get in that week. He had family friends that were staying that were there. He stayed there. I'm like, dude, just, you can take my car, just whatever, drive around all week, whatever you want to do. So my caddy would drove up there. He's like, well, let me take your clubs. You don't need to fly home. You don't need to fly to Knoxville with them. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, you take my clubs and, and, um, my suitcase. He's like, perfect. I'll see you tomorrow on Pinehurst. Okay, cool. Like, holy crap. I'm going to the U.S. Open, right? This is the coolest thing ever. 
So we fly to Knoxville, my wife and I and our eight-month-old son, Jackson, who's now 15 and who's taller than I am, but anyway, um, get in the car, pick up, pick up the car from James, start driving to towards North Carolina from Knoxville. So it is 2 a.m. It is raining cats and dogs. We pull over in Asheville and pull into a hotel. My wife takes Jackson. He was not feeling very well. He was he had like an ear infection or something like that. She goes, just leave my stuff in the car. We'll get it in the morning. Just, you know, I'm just going to get him in, just park it. it was, like I said, it was pouring. So parked the car. She took Jackson into the room. I didn't have anything. It was, it was all in my, I left my computer, my backpack, my credentials in the car. My wife goes out the next morning to go get her stuff. She's like, I'm going to go get my stuff so I can take a shower. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, so, um, she walks out, comes back in bawling, crying. Everything's gone. So I run out, look at it. The guy popped a, a keyhole in the door. Ripped everything out, didn't break the windows, didn't do anything, just just figured out a way to open the car through the keyhole. And, you know, this was back when, you know, car stereos were just analog. And I had one of those ones that pop out screens, you know, navigation. This was our own personal car that we drove from California. And I had the screens and the headrest. I mean, I had, the, it was a black expedition. I had the, the, the wheels on it. I mean, this thing was, was decked out, right? I mean, it was just an absolute, hey, come steal me car. <laughs> you know, I just thought it was cool. Now I realize I was an idiot. But, um, yeah, the guy took everything, backpack, computer. He stole everything in the car except for Jackson's child seat, except for his car seat. Wow. So, I mean, obviously, obviously the guy had some, you know, the criminal had a heart, I guess you could say that. But, um, yeah, so the, the worst part was, was I had all my stuff. Everybody says, oh, you know, your club got stolen. No, I, I had my clubs. Lewis had them in his car. So we get there. I finally, you know, get a change of clothes. I'd showered after the round, obviously, and then got on the airplane and went, but get a change of clothes. But anyway, trying to pull into the open, it was, you know, four years after 9-11. Um, and I'm in this black expedition with blacked out windows, wires hanging out of the dash and no air conditioning. And I pull into this thing and I'm oh. like, no, you gotta, you gotta believe me. I'm a player. And luckily, you know, I had my, my, my manager at the time called ahead. They kind of knew what was coming. They didn't realize it was going to come in that hot. But, um, so yeah, so I had to kind of beg my way in. They're like, where's your credentials? I'm like, well, you got to talk to the, the car thief. Um, you got to talk to the guy that stole everything. So, um, somehow got in there, played nine holes and the rest was, you know, kind of history and, you know, I got to playing well. Everything was good. And then, you know, Saturday I'm in second place. And next thing I know, Best Buy is replacing my car stereo, fixing my air conditioner, which was just key. And I don't know if you ever been to North Carolina in June, but it ain't, it ain't the Arctics. You know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> it, uh, it was just an unbelievable act of kindness and. I still can't thank the people of Pinehurst in the village and everybody at that event. The USGA, I mean, think about that. Um, if you want to talk about like full circle, I mean, they all made this happen for some unknown chubby kid from California. Um, that, you know, that I will never be able to repay them or thank them enough or let them know what it means to me. But, um, 
it was just a cool thing. It was just a great act of humanity, of kindness that, uh, you know, sometimes you question nowadays, but, you know, it, uh, it meant a lot to me. It still means a lot to me that they even you know, thought of doing that. Uh, what a fantastic story. I appreciate you sharing that, Jason. That's, that is some. And, told you and now you talk about life coming full circle, right? Now you're senior director of player relations for the USGA. Talk about, uh, you know, talk about that role and what it was like when they approached you to take it. Well, I mean, it kind of happened. I, we, you know, we opened up a little insurance brokerage and that's kind of what just what I was going to do. You know, we, we kind of organically just started one, got some appointments, started going to some people, you know, just friends and like, Hey, you know, we're not going to sell a pitch here, but our, if you want good service, we're here. We're not going to do anything. But anyway, that's what I was going to do. And I got into RSM and played well. I had like a little mini back surgery where they went in and burned the nerves off my back. It's just, you know, I like to say I had terrible parents. They're great people, but just bad breeders kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're awesome people. But uh, so I got in there and was in the final group Saturday and Sunday. And it just became kind of like this, you know, a whole nother like folk hero story of, oh, just an insurance salesman, you know, just trying to, you know, have a good week. I'm just having fun. I don't really care. And that's the truth. And, and, um, and it was, uh, I tweeted out a picture that the tour tweeted out and it says, I'm just an insurance salesman. I'm just having a good time, something like that. And I retweeted it, you know, no big deal, whatever. So I'm in Scottsdale playing a tournament with my buddy Casey, just a little pro scratch, just having a good time. And I got a phone call on the day of the practice round. It was Jeff Hall. Jeff Hall was our manager for Walker Cup. And he was always like my go-to guy at the USGA. So he calls me up and says, hey, uh, your Christmas card got returned. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we moved probably, you know, a year and a half ago, blah, blah, blah. And so we kind of caught up on some pleasantries. And he goes, hey, you know, I don't know if you know or not, but we've had some, you know, some, some, a few mishaps at the U.S. Open. I go, oh, no, I never heard that. You know, like this was after Shinnecock <laughs> and you know, stuff like that. So, you know, and Jeff and I, are, we tend to have a bit of sarcasm. So we just sort of kind of needling each other. I'm like, no, I haven't heard that at all. Like blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, you know, we're kind of thinking about, I want your opinion on this. I said, okay, shoot. And he goes, kind of thinking about, we, we starting opening up a new position here at the USGA. Somebody, we want somebody who has, um, a bunch of years on tour, has a lot of experience, somebody who gets along with, you know, a lot of the players, and somebody from the USGA family, Walker Cupper, somebody somebody like that. I go, are you offering me a job? And he, he kind of chuckled. He goes, well, you know, your name has been brought up. And at that point, I was kind of like, uh, I'm a golfer. You know, I just played well at RSM. Because I was in the final group of Saturday and Sunday. I'm like, thanks, but, you know, if I think of anybody, I'll keep you in mind. He goes, well, thank you very much, and, you know, say hi to the fam, all that good stuff, right? So I get to the, get to go play practice round, and I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm like, this is crazy, right? And I didn't really share it with my wife, and I get to the 14th tee, and I know that, like, as a fact, on the second day of the last day of the tournament, and my back is killing me. It feels like it's going to fall out of my rear end, you know, it's just dying. So I get in the car because my buddy's afraid of flying. We're in Scottsdale. We're driving back to L.A. Okay, that's a whole other issue. We'll get into that later. Um, but uh, <laughs> and I'm just I, I, I can't stop thinking about it. And I can't stop thinking about like I could really make a difference. 
I could help. So I get home. I wake up the next morning. We get home late. Wake up the next morning. I go look at my wife and said, "Come into our little office here. I want I want to, I want you to listen to this phone call." She goes, "What? What is it?" I said, "Just come, come, come with me." She goes, "Okay." And I call Jeff. I go, "All right, Jeff, tell me more." And he told, and he you know told, said this whole described this whole thing. I said, "Okay, Jeff, thank you very much." And um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll give you buzz back. Hung up the phone. My wife looks at me and goes, "This is all you." And I said, "I know it is." And about, you know, three or four days later, I called him back and said, all right, I'm in. Like, what do we have to do? He goes, you know, he goes, we'll come in for an interview, yada, yada. And we have other candidates. I go, okay, you know, that's fair. I, so I went in for my interview and, and about three weeks after my interview, this happened. I just, you know, I, this is what I, I say. And it's the absolute truth. I said, from the moment I ever picked up a golf club, all I ever wanted to do was make a difference in the game. I wanted, you know, when my time on earth was done, I wanted the people to go, that guy made a difference. That, this game is better, is in a better place because of that guy. And, you know, I, like I said, I did it for seven seconds in golf. You know, you could, you could argue longer, but I'm just going to say seven seconds. I feel like I can make a difference. I couldn't do it with my golf clubs, but I, I feel like I can really make a difference here. And, um, that's what, that's what ultimately made me decide to do it. Cause I can still play. I mean, I, I'm not, I was never the greatest, but I was never the worst. I mean, but I would have gotten mine. I would have gotten some, but you know what? I, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. And I love everybody inside those walls of that office of that USGA. They're all great people and we all have the same passion as we just want to make the, the game better. And, um, that's what ultimately sold me on it. So take that a step forward, Jason, you know, now, now in this role, because I'm, I'm, as convinced as anybody could be, you can make a difference. I think you're exactly what the USGA needed. There were those U.S. Opens where things seemed like they were coming off the rails a little bit. This year, much better than than the previous few. So, in your current role, have you been have you had some situations where you had to pull some of the guys, you know, some of your peers now at the USGA aside and say, you know what? Mm, yeah, no, that's not going to work. Well, I mean. I wouldn't say I had to pull them aside. They definitely asked for my opinion. And you can tell I'm not, I don't kind of hold anything back. So you're going to get the truth from me. And yeah, I mean, they, they said that to me too. You know, like, Hey, listen, it's not the way things go. And I'll be like, Oh, okay. You know, I get it. But I was super, I was super lucky, fortunate to be involved in the new U.S. Open setup team. And, um, you know, with John Bodenhammer and Jeff Hall, who's my buddy, who I, I love, you know, um, I was, I was there to give a player standpoint. And when we went out there for the first time to take a look at a few things, I just kind of like went you know, with this attitude of a fully ticked off USGA hating tour player. And that was the attitude I kind of took. What's going to send up the red flag as a fully upset USGA hating tour player? You know, and I'm going to go off the, off the rails here. I'm going to look at something that's going to be, you know, you, most people would be like, so what? But I, that's what I wanted. I wanted to get that out there because I felt like that was part of my job was to protect the players. And it, it is, you know, it's, it's, I'm just going to, I'm the avenue for them and I'm the avenue from the USGA to them. So, you know, there was a, there was a few times, there were a few whole locations that I looked at. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. 
well, it, it's fine here, but it doesn't look fine. I'm going to walk up to this green and I'm going to be like, what are you guys thinking? And the whole location was totally fine. We used it before. The PGA Tour has used it before. But I looked at it and that attitude is like, no, this looks like you're doing something that you don't need to do. And, you know, they, they, I was very fortunate that they listened and, you know, it came off even the, even the toughest nails, the, the biggest USGA haters like, you know, Phil ended up saying, you know, this was a great U.S. Open. And I'm not saying that's all me because it wasn't, but, um, you know, it's really tough to screw up Pebble Beach first off because Pebble Beach is such, you know, <laughs> everybody's played there so many times and it's so iconic and, you know, so we just, we just let Pebble Beach be Pebble Beach. And I think that was, you know, John Bodenhammer's idea. Just let it go be Pebble. You know, we're going to set it up as a U.S. Open, but you're going to, we're going to reward good golf shots if you have the guts to hit them. And, um, you know, we just, we just didn't have any wind. I think, I think the whole thing was, was, Let's just let Pebble be Pebble and let's let, you know, if the wind, if the sun comes out, the wind kicks up, this golf course is still going to be playable. And it's still going to, you know, it's, you're going to get rewarded if you hit good shots, but you're not going to get penalized if you hit good shots and just, you know, something bad happens. So, um, that was just kind of our whole team effort to try to do is just, you know what, if the, the, uh, the unthinkable happens, we'll be ready. The golf course will be ready to take on whatever challenges Mother Nature throws at it. And, you know, if we had a little win, the scores would have been a little different. But, you know, the, it was 85 degrees at Pebble Beach Monday, Tuesday. And then the, the green layer came in Wednesday, and it just never got, you know, super, super firm. And that's that's golf. That's Pebble Beach. You know, I mean, the, the grass is used to growing at 58 degrees, and when it gets to 85, it gets under a little stress. So, um, you know, you had to kind of protect the golf course and protect the playability of it. We certainly didn't want to, you know, turn those things into to, to brown, you know, bricks. We still wanted them puttable, playable, and, you know, let the, let's, let, let the best player win. And it, it, I just think that there was, there's dramatic shots coming down the stretch from Gary's three wood to Brooks, you know, blitzing the first, five or six holes, and I think it was like four or five under through five or six, he screwed up and made a par in there somewhere. Um, but the, just the, the drama that, that, you know, came out of the U.S. Open and, you know, Gary having to hit an unbelievable pitch shot off the green at 17. You know, so, I mean, there was just unbelievable shots. There were some tragedies. Justin Rose played, you know, didn't play his best on Sunday, and he fell by the wayside. But, you know, there was great shots rewarded, and there was a lot of drama, and it was, it was exactly what the U.S. Open should be. Jason, just a couple more before I let you go. And as uh, as we look ahead to the 2020, we're obviously in the wraparound season, but when the calendar turns uh, in, into 2020 and the and the tour really gets kicked off and all the guys start playing again in January, something you're really excited about for the 2020 season, what are you looking forward to next year? Oh, gosh. I'm just looking forward to my first full year. You know, I've been kind of like just trying to feel my way through and it's been difficult like trying to find my way of what the heck I'm trying to do because the good news and bad news is in this position I can't do any worse than the guy before me 
<laughs> so, you know, it's like there's been no kind of, I think we've all had an idea of what I should do and it's all been a little bit different. So I think just kind of having a strategy and a plan and, you know, still being the player in mind, um, cause that's my number one thing. I don't ever want to lose the, uh, you know, my, my, you know, mentality of being a player, but, um, cause I think it benefits the USGA. So, and the players. So, um, I'm just looking to, to kind of make up for some of the missteps I did. Um, you know, Wingfoot's going to be amazing. Wingfoot's just hard. You can play it on a random week in June, not U.S. Open week, and it's going to be hard. The golf course is just brutal. So I think that's, that's going to be the fun part of, of going there, trying to figure this out, trying not to put so much of the USGA signature on it, you know, the, what they, what they think, what the players perceive. You know, the rough's going to be up, the fairways are going to be tight, and um, it's just going to be awesome. But I think just having my first full year of kind of knowing what I'm doing and not just kind of wandering aimlessly and then uh, just being there for the players and, and listening to them and I think just letting them know how valuable they are to our organization. I mean, we started like a, a player's first initiative, and and I, I just want to let the players know that how important they are to the organization. and. And that's why I'm here. I'm here for them. I'm here to listen. And, you know, I'm here to get the USGA's message across. But I'm also here to, to get, you know, to listen to the players because they're vital. They're vital. They're the reason why we do what we do. Jason, how can our listeners stay up to date with all the things that you're going to be doing, whether it's following you online on your website or over social media as well? Oh, boy. Um probably just through usga.org, support our events. I mean, you know, come out to the U.S. Open. It's going to be awesome. Um, I don't really do social media. I have it. I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too old. Um, <laughs> maybe there's just too much trouble to be had on there. I, I don't know. I just, um, I always likened my position to be an MLB umpire. If you hear my name, chances are I screwed up. So I'm just trying to stay under the radar. Just do my job, make sure, you know, make sure everything's nice and smooth. And if you don't ever hear my name, I've done a good job. So just support the USGA. I mean, I think they've gotten such a bad rap over the last few years, and it's the farthest thing from the truth. It's, it's a bunch of good people inside those walls that, that love the game, just like every one of your listeners and probably every one of your listeners' friends. So, um it's it's a great organization. You, you have no idea what they do for golf. I mean, every dollar that we make from the U.S. Open goes out to further the game. And it's just uh, we just try to, to, to make the game, preserve the game, doing the, the rules, governance, all that good stuff. So all the stuff that you don't hear about, which is a good thing, we, we probably are involved in that. So... You know, it's just a, it's a great organization, and I'm just I'm so proud to be a part of it. Well, Jason, it, it's been a blast having you as part of the show. I, I mean, I've loved every minute of it. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime. Share more of your insights, your stories from your career, and, and what you're doing now, because it's been a fantastic segment. Thank you for being here and being thank generous you. with your time. Thank you so much, and uh, thanks for all your listeners and you for loving golf. Jason, happy Thanksgiving to you and, and your family. Happy holidays. 
like I say, hopefully we get the privilege of catching up with you again sometime real soon. Anytime. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays to you and yours. Take care, Jason. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Jason Gore, folks. And it doesn't get more open and honest than that. I, I tell you what, I, you know, a couple of takeaways I have. The guy talked about, you know, how much he loves the guy. How many times did you hear him say, I love this guy. I love that guy. You know, that's fantastic. You know, and, and you can see why it would be very difficult not to like Jason Gore. You know, you want to come to the aid of someone like that. You want to have someone like that as a part of your game and, and leading, I know, you know, the, the, the group that he's leading now, right? You, the players, I, I'm sure love him. And then he's going to be the biggest advocate for them. And I think that's a great thing that the USGA did is recognizing we need a guy like that that's going to help keep everything in line and going forward and help us, you know, from making a misstep. I mean, let's, let's all be honest, right? The, the U.S. Opens from the prior years had some missteps. They needed a guy like Jason in there to say that whole position is bad. That green needs to get watered. Uh, you know, whatever it is. Jason's the right guy in the right time in the right position. And it's been fantastic having him as part of the show. Hopefully, like I say, we get the privilege of having him back on again real soon. Uh, we want to send out uh, Tyler Bruton sent me a text message during the course of the interview and uh, with uh, with Jason and said he had a family emergency with one of his children. So uh, our thoughts go out to him. Hopefully everything's OK. We'll get an opportunity to get Tyler back on the show again, hopefully sometime real soon. All right, folks, it's time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks go to Randy Pice and Jason Gore for being a part of the show tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net. On there, you're going to be able to keep up with what our guest schedule looks like. Plus, we uh, have links back to our page over on Podbean, so you can stream any of our you know, archive episodes. I think we've got well over 300 episodes over there. Please also check us out if, you're, if you've got a different uh, you know, podcasting site that you like. We're on Launchpad DM, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. We're everywhere. So please check us out and, uh, you know, download some of those apps so you can take us with you everywhere you go. Folks, I can't thank you again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. A very happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. We'll see you next week here on the show. Until then, hit them straight, my friends. been listening to Next on the G with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Tuesday to hear more stories about the game we love from people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf.